I want you to get your Bible open to Galatians 5, and the time that we have left, we're going to cover some important ground. How many of you were here last Sunday and you came back this Sunday? Wave at me if that was you. All right, good. That's good to hear. Last Sunday was uh, a Holy Spirit atomic bomb that went off uh, as far as consecration and calling. I had a lot of good text messages this last week, which I appreciate. I'll highlight one of them. Uh, Pastor, I woke up this morning with a fresh a uh, sense of hunger in my heart to know the Holy Spirit and to live a life that pleases Him. How I mean, you know that's a good text message right there? That's the spirit of what we're talking about in this series. And I want you to hear my heart from last week. You know, the whole purpose Christ has set us free is so that we could live in the fullness of the freedom that He purchased for us. Uh, it's so that we could enjoy the full benefits of the cross. And we're talking about hosting the Holy Spirit. And I want you to picture, that's why I love the artwork that's been created for this series, like a couch. I want you to picture the Holy Spirit sitting next to you on the couch, uh, and you're hosting Him as an honored guest. How many of you know you cannot host the Holy Spirit in your life if your life is full of compromise and carnality and sin? Uh, the Holy Spirit does not hang out in that type of an atmosphere. How I many of you know when the church is full of compromise and carnality and sin, guess what? The Holy Spirit doesn't show up at church on Sunday. You're all going, well, Pastor, I thought he lives in me. Well, he does live in you. I'm talking about the manifest presence of God coming to a place. I'm talking about when you drive into the parking lot and you sense the glory of the Lord. I'm talking about when you begin singing and you start weeping because the presence of God is so thick. You may know what I'm talking about. Unfortunately, most people don't know what I'm talking about because the Holy Spirit is not that way and that power at most churches in America right now. I'm just trying to connect some dots for you, though. And my goal is not to, to preach legalism because legalism will kill you. My goal is to preach the power of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will make you fully alive. But when we talk about some of the carnal areas that our culture is dealing with, it's not me standing here with a big sign saying, no, no, no. The sign that's really here is yes, yes, yes. Say yes to the Holy Spirit and no to cheaper compromises in your life. Because God always challenges us to more. And so let me, let me go ahead and dive in this morning. We're talking about keeping in step with the Holy Spirit today. And I want to start reading in Galatians 5, uh, verse 16. Paul says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. And then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. I like the way the Passion Translation says it. He says, as you yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. How many of you are willing to fully yield your entirety to the Holy Spirit and you're really hungry that He would lead you and speak to you and direct your life? If, if that's you, God wants to do that in your heart and your life. And you have to say no, though, to the cravings of your self-life because here's why. Look at verse 17. The sinful nature wants you to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Holy Spirit wants for you. The Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Now, let's just pause right there. Myself, yourself, my nature craves the very thing that offends the Holy Spirit. So how many of you realize in this season of your life that there's a battle taking place for your heart every single day? And you have one power at work in you, this warring, that's tempting, that's pushing you, driving you 
to engage in things that don't please the Lord. And then you got the Holy Spirit inside of you, and He's giving you desires to please the Father. He's giving you desires that are new desires. How many of you, since you've been born again, you can confess that there are new desires, new passions in your heart that have sprung up that weren't there before? In other words, when, when you invited Jesus into your life, there's new stuff going on. And let me just say this, there's some of you here this morning, uh, you're either baby Christians or you're not Christians yet, and you're trying to figure this out, and, and people say things to me like, you know, pastor, if I came to church, the roof would split open and lightning would come down and hit me, all this kind of nonsense. But I get what you're saying. What, what normally goes on in the side of us, inside of us when we're not saved is we're trying to figure out how we could improve ourselves to be a better version of us so that maybe God would not maybe be mad at us or maybe he, we'd be okay with him. But how many of you know that's religion? talking. Christianity is not a self-improvement plan. In fact, when you get into self-improvement, you just jump back into legalism and you just jump back into religion. You don't have to improve yourself. In fact, you can't improve yourself. You need an encounter with the Holy Spirit who changes you from the inside. And here's the key word. Everybody say this word, desire. 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 You're not really a function of your will as much as you are a function of your desires. Your will simply chooses to agree or disagree with what your heart wants to do. If your heart is wicked, your will will always go along with your wicked heart. That's why you live in defeat. But when you get a new heart, you get new desires. Now we're talking. When you get a new Holy Ghost heart... It desires what pleases the Lord. In fact, that's a sign we talked about last Sunday. It's a sign that you're truly born again is that now you're entertaining the thought, how do I live my life in such a way that God is pleased? All of a sudden you care. Before you didn't care. Now you care. You want to know, is my life pleasing to the Lord? That's one of the greatest questions you could ever ask because that's why he saves us to make us pleasing to him, not only positionally because Christ has paid for our sin and covered us in his blood, but experientially that we live a holy God-pleasing life. But the battle's going on on the inside, and the battle is for your desires. Now, let me just share something with you. I grew up in most of my Christian walk, as you probably did, I thought that holiness was following a big list of things that Christians can't do. Once you get saved, you get the list. Uh, what do you want to do? Uh, no, you can't do that. Uh, how about this? Uh, nope, you can't do that. And here's the problem is most of the religious traditions that some of you came from added extra biblical things to the list just to make sure you kept really holy. They made the wall even higher and the wall even broader. They added all kinds of things to the list that, no, you can't do that. How about that? No, no, no. And so young people grow up going to churches where they're, they're like little infant kids. What's the first word little infant kids learn? No, no. And then they come to church and the pastor's going, no, no. It's like, ah, get me out of here. I don't want to live in the nursery the rest of my life. But here's the radical thing about Christianity that I just learned in recent years is that Christianity is not a bunch of no's, but it's a big yes. God never tells you to die to your flesh 
to, to, to die to your, your selfishness, to die to sin. He never tells you to die to something that he's not giving you something more on the other side of that death and, that, and the resurrection is coming. In other words, Christianity is not a no. It's a yes, 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 yes. The problem is, and this is another radical understanding, I used to think the problem was my desires are too strong. Man, I want to I wanna keep my heart pure, but I can't. My flesh is too strong. I don't want to go back to that addiction, but all oh, those desires are too strong, and, and I fell again. How many of you have ever prayed the prayer, Lord, forgive me, and then a week later you're back up praying, Lord, forgive me, because you fell, because you, because you thought your desires were too strong. Can I tell you what the truth is? Your desires are actually too weak. Think about this. C.S. Lewis said it this way. He said, imagine God inviting you to a vacation in the Caribbean on a beautiful white sandy beach with water that's so clear you can see the ground, all right, see all the beauty. And he's inviting you to a free all-expense-paid vacation, but you're used to living in the ghetto, and you're used to sitting by a filthy mud puddle making mud pies, and you think that the mud pies that you have in your hand are better than the promised vacation that God's inviting you to because you're used to mud pies. Your problem is not that your desires are too strong. Your problem is that your desires are too weak. The problem is you don't want happiness enough. I was inspired with this this morning. You can tell whether or not it was from the pit of hell or if it was the Holy Spirit. But this is a powerful illustration. Imagine someone's offering you a platter, a poo-poo platter. If any of you watched the movie uh, Bug's Life... That's what the flies ordered at the bar. They ordered the poo-poo platter. Classic scene, wasn't it, babe? Classic scene. Most people, the devil comes up and you're bellied up to the bar and he offers you the poo-poo platter. And you go, oh, this poo is really yummy. And you develop an appetite for sin. You develop an appetite for the poo-poo platter. Yeah, your breath stinks and it's not that great for you, but oh, it tastes so good. And the Lord's going, why are you eating that garbage? I'm offering you this buffet over here and you're eating the poo-poo platter. Not because it's, I'm saying, no, it's a sin to eat poop. No, we shouldn't want to eat it. Like, why should there have to be a law? Why should there have to be a law against the poo-poo platter? You should go, eh, that is disgusting. But because we developed an appetite for it, we don't realize that God's offering us so much better. You know, I talked to a missionary that used to minister to people on the garbage dumps in Mexico City. There's, there's thousands of people that eat junk garbage Poo-poo platter every day from the garbage heap. And this is a true story. He would bring them off the dump, bring them into his own home, and love them and care for them and give them a great place to stay and give them great food. But when they would eat good food, they would go, oh, this tastes terrible because they developed an appetite for garbage. So here's what I'm telling you about sin. The problem with your sin is not your sin. 
The problem with your sin is that you don't want happiness enough. The problem is you don't want joy enough. The problem is you don't want freedom badly enough. So you're going to keep ordering the poo-poo platter and being grateful that you're living like a beggar when God's offering you an abundant life. Only the Holy Spirit can create in us a hunger for the blessing of God, for the righteousness of God, for the beauty of a godly life, for the power of a godly life where the Holy Spirit's flowing through you, for the intimacy of a godly life. See, this is the thing. It's not about, some people think the Holy Spirit's job is just to babysit Christians. You know what a babysitter does? You leave the house, you hope, moms make those lists, right? To do this, call me, here's a number, if anything happens, because they just want to come home and find that their kids are the same amount and they're okay. There are some people who think the Holy Spirit's job is just to babysit us so we don't go to hell and we eventually go to heaven and we show up pretty, pretty clean. Can I just tell you, the Holy Spirit's job is to so transform us that we literally move and act like Jesus in the earth. That's the privilege. So it's not just saving you, keeping you clean. So when mom and papa get home, that you can actually you know, be presentable and someday go to heaven. No, no, it's far greater than that. He's inviting us into his mission. And the greatest joy comes not when I'm living my life for my pleasure, but when I'm finding pleasure in what God is doing and finding pleasure in touching other people. That's why we're launching 60-some people that were up here that are getting ready to be rocked by the Holy Spirit because you're going to be partnering with Him and you're going to see God do amazing things. And and let me just tell you, the greatest cure for sin is moving in the power of God. The greatest cure for sin is tasting the beauty of the Lord. The greatest cure for sin is having a personal encounter with Jesus where you go, why did I ever want to live that way? When somebody is saying this, I don't know if I want to give my life to Christ because look at all the things I have to get up, give up. There you are hugging your little poo-poo platter. All the flies flying around you. You're hugging that little platter because you're so infatuated with that garbage that you can't imagine that there's so much more God's inviting you to. It take, listen, it takes the Holy Spirit to pry our hands off of that mess because by nature we love it it tastes good it takes the holy spirit to change us let me quickly talk about i'm going to finish up the passage here holy spirit gives us the desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires these two forces are constantly fighting each other so you are not free to carry out your good intentions but when you're directed by the spirit you're not under the obligation of the law of moses Here's two enemies of the Spirit-led life. The first enemy is license. I was on you guys last week. License is the abuse of freedom through immoral living and the casual disregard of the commandments of God. It's what's referred to as cheap grace. We're living in a cheap grace church culture in America today. There's as much sin in the church as there is outside of the church. How many of you know you cannot have the Holy Spirit's presence and keep living that way? It's called license. It's, 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 oh, I'm saved by grace. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord for what he did for me on the cross. And then we go out and we go back and we keep ordering poo-poo platter. You've got to stop. 
You cannot host the Holy Spirit if you're living a life based on license. You're cheap grace. God's going to forgive me. No problem. I'm saved by grace. Yeah, you're saved by grace, but it's the grace of God that teaches you to say no to sin and yes to righteousness. Otherwise, you don't have the grace of God. You have a cheap counterfeit grace that's lying to you as you're making your way to hell. That's a scary place to be. We also don't want to embrace legalism. Legalism is satisfied with the form, but not the substance. So let me give you an example. We should be far more concerned with what our heart looks like than what our face looks like in the mirror before we come to church. In other words, it'd be better to just fall out of bed with a good heart. You got sleep in your eye, your hair's up on one side, and you show up at church, the Lord's going, you're beautiful. Then to show up all made up, and thinking you're knockout, and on the inside, your heart's far from God. I mean, you know, during worship, it's far better to, than, than not to stand there being all put together and hallelujah and be a respectable Christian worshiper or whatever, sing all the right notes, but on the inside, your heart's a mile from God. It'd be better to fall on your face and just be a mess and just say, God, I need you. And I feel so far from you, and Lord, come back into my... The Lord says, oh, that's a beautiful mess right there on the floor. Because it's... it's if you focus on legalism, all you care about is the outward performance, but you lose the inward heart. Can I just encourage us every week, fight for your heart. Like in worship, you had a bad week, or man, you blew it, or you and your spouse got in an argument out in the church parking lot, and then you got out and, hallelujah, praise the Lord, brother, hallelujah, I'm complete in Christ, praise the Lord, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, that's, that's, that's legalism. The Lord looks right through it. Just go on, forgive me, I blew it. Will you please forgive me? You come into church, you feel like a loser. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I am a child of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I want to say, holla, holla, holla. (laughs) Holla, holla, holla. Hey, turn to your neighbor right now and tell them you're going to pay off their house. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Let's make sure we're, some of you are going, what was that all about? <laughs> you got to go online and listen to Ivan. All right, I saw you. You got to listen to Ivan. But here's the deal. <laughs> There's two admonitions regarding the Holy Spirit and Scripture. Number one, don't grieve the Spirit. Everybody say grieve. grieve. Guys, we know what this is. It's when you're in the car and you're having a conversation with your wife and you give her a short answer. Boom. To shut her up because you don't want to be talking about that or you're frustrated or whatever. And all of a sudden, the, the temperature in the car goes down to below zero. But you know, you're all like, you know what I'm talking about. What happened? Grieve. It's like you said, all communication, silent. Guess what happens when you live according to your flesh? The Holy Spirit living inside of you gets his heart wounded. He's a person. He has a personality. That's why you can know him. And when we do things that are contrary to his heart, we grieve his heart. And when we grieve his heart, he's silent. This is why David prayed, God, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Lord, forgive me. Clean me on the inside. God, he was begging the Lord that the presence of God would be restored in his life. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. The Bible says don't bring sorrow or don't grieve God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live. 
How many of you know we have to be Holy Spirit fruit inspectors? I'm, give me till about 11.30 that i got to run you guys out of here before the third wave shows up. We will be delivered from this shortly. Not soon enough, but shortly. All right. Look at verse 19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Everybody say very clear. The reason they're very clear is because your soul depends on this. How many of you know when we're talking about eternal things, clarity is essential? Listen to what the Holy Spirit's saying here. These desires come from your sinful, poo-poo, platter-loving nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery or witchcraft, hostility, quarreling. Let me just put a pause right here. I'm trying to make it real. If you and your home and your spouse, you're constantly fighting, tension levels high all the time. When you create an atmosphere that's ruled by quarreling, the Holy Spirit walks out your front door. And the Bible says in the book of James, where there is jealousy and strife, you open the door to all kinds of evil and demonic things in your home. So listen, I'm saying that the goal for me to, to not quarrel with my wife, yell at my wife, have a short temper with my wife, is not just because I'm trying to keep peace in my house, but because I actually am trying to host the Holy Spirit in my marriage and in my home. Because when I'm yelling at her and losing my temper with her, guess what happens to the Holy Spirit? He's out the front door. He's the Spirit of peace. He's a dove. Remember I gave you the illustration weeks ago that if the Holy Spirit was like a dove, he landed on you like he landed on Jesus, and your goal was to keep him there, you'd probably do all kinds of creative things. You'd have pockets full of seed, bird seed. You'd be like slipping him some food up there. You want to make sure he's fed. You'd be really chill. You wouldn't go, hey, because the bird would take off. Right? So you would talk peacefully, and you would honor his presence. You would think twice about what you did because you wanted the presence resting and abiding on you. So people that have anger, outbursts of anger, jealousy, selfish ambition, dissension, division. You know, let me just say this. We're trying to learn to host God's presence here when we come together. You know the fastest way to drive the Holy Spirit out the front door? Jealousy, envy, strife, fighting, unforgiveness, resentment, gossiping, murmuring, disunity. Churches that, are, that have that going on are like hell. I've been there. It's like hell. It's like plowing through a, a rock quarry. Nothing's moving. I mean, it's cold as ice. Notice the difference when the Holy Spirit's present. People aren't even saying anything, doing anything. We got precious people weeping when they come and experience the presence of the Lord. Nobody's done anything. Nobody laid hands on them, prayed for them. Just the presence. Can you see, can you see how easy it is when the Holy Spirit's here? And how hard it is when he's not. How much work it takes to do little things. And how easy it is when the wind is blowing. I don't know about you. I want to pastor a wind-blowing church. All right. 
You guys are talking too much. I got to go on here. All right, number 20, or verse 21. Envy, drunkenness, wild parties, other sins. Let me tell you again, Paul's repeating himself. This is important. He's repeating himself. The Holy Spirit is doing this. He's reminding us, as I have said before, anyone living that sort of life, a lifestyle that abuses the freedom that you have in Christ will not inherit the kingdom of God. Listen, someday you're going to thank me for preaching the truth and not tickling your ears and for making you feel uncomfortable as you should when we're talking about lifestyle compromises. I had a man tell me this morning, he said, Pastor, thank you for last week. He said, you shook my spirit up because I was getting complacent. How many of you know that's awesome when we get our spirit shaken up? When Paul lists things, that, and he says, you will not inherit the kingdom of God if you live a lifestyle marked by these things. If you have one ounce of the fear of God, you should be going, get that stuff out of my life. Here's what I'm telling you. Quit playing with the grace of God and quit playing with things that will destroy your soul. So, okay, so last week I meddled with some of you on the alcohol issue. I wasn't trying to be legalistic. I'm trying to tell you that there's a better alternative to alcohol. It's called spend your life trying to get as snockered with the Holy Spirit as you possibly can. <laughs> Pastor, are you kidding? No. I've been in meetings where the presence of the Lord is so thick, people can't walk. People fall on the ground. People laugh hysterically. People get set free. It's like a big drunken party. In fact, when Acts happened in Acts chapter 2, what did they mistake it for? They said, man, these people have all been drinking, man. Where's the party? Like, nah, it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. They were sloshed drunk by 9 o'clock in the morning with the Holy Spirit. Now, here's what I'm going to ask you. What was that like? And here's the better thing. You have permission to find out. <laughs> you have permission to pursue more. You know, it says there at the end of Proverbs that kings, it was not fitting for kings to drink because when you drink, you lose your clarity, and you lose your judgment. Any of you ever been there? And so a good king would not impair his judgment with alcohol because he wanted to be able to rule wisely and lead well. Here's what I'm paraphrasing for you. You know what I invited all you guys to, to, to last Sunday? I invited you to be a king. Not because you have to. Not because there's a to-do list. Because I want to woo you and tell you that the poo-poo platter ain't that great. I've had people tell me, I just, I just can't imagine living life without alcohol. I mean, my goodness, I thought, you, don't, you don't have any alcohol? <laughs> Let me just have a, a minor ob observation. Maybe it's an idol in your life. I don't know. I mean, I can't. If you need alcohol more than oxygen, you can't imagine life without alcohol. I can imagine you saying that about Jesus, but I can't imagine you saying that about the poo-poo platter. My goodness. All right, I got to move on. Some of you are already ticked. 
Verse 24, those who belong to Jesus Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. The other admonition in the Bible is don't quench the Holy Spirit or don't stifle the Holy Spirit, which means this. Notice the Holy Spirit one, one translation says, keep in step with the Holy Spirit, which means the Holy Spirit is not babysitting you. He's trying to lead you somewhere. In other words, he's taking us on a journey with him. It's a journey. It's a mission of redemption. It's not about me just getting full of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know the fullness of something is measured by its overflow? How do you know when a cup is full? When it's overflowing. The fullness of the Spirit in our lives is not about us keeping Him to ourselves, but about how much of Him we can release out of our lives. And so see, He says, don't quench me, but don't stifle me. Don't, tell, don't put me in a box. Don't tell me, well, we don't do that at our church. Don't tell me, well, that's not the way I was raised. Don't tell, well, I've never, I've never experienced that. In other words, don't make your limited experience of an infinite being the job description of what you allow Him to do in your life. So, man, we just say, well, the Holy Spirit says, hey, where would you like to go today? You tell me. I'm with you. Hey, let's go minister to that person. Awesome. I'm with you. Oh, Lord, what am I going to say? Don't worry. I'm leading you. I say, Mary and I were just ministering to a great leadership team, and these folks are hungry. They're Quakers. Imagine this, Quakers, hungry for the Holy Spirit. And we said, hey, we want to personally pray over you at the end of this meeting. And that's what we did. Now, she's a lot more prophetic than I am, so this was a step of faith because here's what, I'm believing that the prophetic one, the Holy Spirit, lives in me. And then if I will let him lead, he will actually speak through me and show me things that will help somebody else because it's not about me. So I just said, okay, we're going to pray and prophesy over all you folks. I'm going, oh, Jesus, help me. Hallelujah. I would have been doing that years ago. But now I'm just moving with the Holy Spirit because he likes to do that. Thank God I got my little prophetic wifey over here. She's like, full of, yeah, woo. she's ready to go. But here's what's cool. As we started just praying and sharing the heart of the Father with them, tears start falling. How did you know that? How did you know that about me? I don't know that about you. I don't know you. But the Holy Spirit knows you. And he's crazy about you. And when you're praying for somebody you don't know and you're sharing what God's laying on your heart and they start weeping and getting set free, one lady looks to her husband, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, that's me, oh my gosh, that's me. And then the next day, they spend the whole morning sharing about how free they feel and what God did. And you know, here's what you do. The devil goes, hey, want some poo-poo platter? I go, dude, are you stupid? I'm following the Holy Spirit, living the greatest life possible. I'm done with that. I've got so much I want to do. I can hardly stand it. I, I'm so excited. I'm so full of joy. I'm so full of passion. I can't wait to get out of bed in the morning, and you're offering me poo-poo platter. Are you nuts? Do you see how legalism will cause you to be religious, and religious people, that's all they serve at church? Eat it. It's good for you. Some of you are not laughing. You're crying because you came out of church just like that. (laughs) 
We have to steward the presence in us through personal devotion so that we can release His presence through us for ministry impact. Stand to your feet. I want to pray for you guys this morning. Yes. Can I say something? I don't know. What do you want to say? Calling us? Glowing off of you. No, oh, well, praise the Lord. Thank you. He was, he was saying he senses the Holy Spirit's presence on my life. And uh, amen, I receive. <laughs> please, Lord, please. Now, but I want, to say, I want to say this about you. There's something beautiful about being uninhibited when you sense God's moving in your heart. And you have that nature about you. You're not about pretense or... Is that appropriate or whatever? You know, that didn't bother me to have you run up here and to have this conversation. And thank you for encouraging me. And thank you for sensing what God's doing inside of you. Because the Lord likes stuff like that. Religious people don't like stuff like that. But the Lord likes stuff like that. Hey, let's get more. Holy Spirit, come on, get your hands up, your heart open. Holy Spirit, take all these people, possess them. Fill them with your glory, Lord. Let the dead leaves of legalism and license fall off of our lives. Lord, awaken fire and passion and hunger in our heart that's genuine for you. And Lord, there are people in this room that in their heart of hearts are saying, I want to know the Lord. I want to experience this. This is all I know. This life is all I know. But I want more. That's the Holy Spirit moving in you right now to set you free and to lead you to Jesus. And there's people that want to pray with you and something supernatural will happen in your heart, even this morning. Some of you, you're saying, God, I don't want to keep living in the shame of sin. I'm tired of all this compromise in my life. The Holy Spirit wants to take you to another dimension of freedom, even this morning. If you'll repent and confess and yield yourself to God, He will fill you and flood you with new desires and you'll be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. So if you need prayer for any of that, the altars are open. We want to minister to you. Father, send us out these doors now as carriers of your presence and use us mightily to rock this nation, to rock our neighborhood, to to touch our friends and our families for the glory of God. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen, amen. Hey, love you guys. Proud of you. Have a good week.